Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with my husband, Bruce, right here, the guy sitting across this table from me, we have written 35 cookbooks. We've been columnists for three different magazines. We have been in the food business for a very long time. Our latest book is the Instant Air Fryer Bible, and this is our podcast in which we get to talk about food. We get to interview chefs and cookbook authors from around the world, not mm-hmm. just in the U.S., and, of course, we offer cooking tips and always end with what's making us happy in food this week. So, to get going, we're going to talk first about the holidays and food. Oh, my goodness. A source of anxiety for so many people. So many people. And for a lot of people, the anxiety around food is about putting weight on. Yes. It's about overeating. Yes, people that's know me. this is going to happen. And so... Having written a Weight Watchers column for 15 years, having written a book on eating real food, real food has curves, we have advice for getting through the holidays with less stress around eating. Okay, here's the first one, and this is a kicker for the holidays, and I just want you to remember this. Please remember to eat three meals a day. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. We as animals are extraordinarily inefficient with our food intake. You know, a lion can make a kill and then not eat for another week or so and be just fine. Not we, us. We are not this because we have these ridiculously big brains that require a slow drip of glucose <laughs> to make them work essentially. And so we have to eat on a constant basis and research shows that if If you skip a meal, you are more likely to overeat at the meal ahead of you. And especially you combine that with being hungry and delicious holiday food, and you are going to overeat. So breakfast is especially important. Research shows that people who eat breakfast tend to eat fewer calories throughout the rest of the day. That's really important because it sets your blood sugar. It sets your metabolism. Don't skip meals. I know we have a lot of big dinner parties, and this is off the holiday, you know, emphasis of what we're doing here. But we have a lot of big dinner parties at our house. And Bruce cooks amazing multi-course, sometimes formally plated dinner parties. And I will tell you that people show up at our house very excited about it all. You know, I mean, oh my gosh, look, here's the table and it's got like, you know, four forks on one side of the plate and, you know, four knives and spoon sets on the other side of the plate. We mix and match our grandmother's silver patterns and plates and we're very eclectic at how we do this and people say sometimes when they show up I didn't eat lunch because I knew this was going to be a big dinner tonight and I always say to myself that was a mistake you should have had at the very least let's say a handful of nuts and a piece of cheese or an apple because now you're starving you're going to overeat you're not going to feel well and by the end of dinner you're going to be just so here's those people who skip let me say those people who skip skip a meal i watch them at dinner parties at our house and if we're if we're serving family stuff particularly like when you do a szechuan feast or a chinese feast and it's family style in the middle of the table so it's help yourself right to each course i watch those people and when they say they've skipped a meal they often dive for that first course and they eat way too much of it not uh, even being told there are two more courses mm-hmm. ahead of you they eat way too much of it and then by the time the third course goes down they're dead yeah and they're not in a good mood they didn't enjoy themselves it leads into the next thing and 
it's difficult. This is not an easy one, but we have some ideas. Eat until you're satisfied, not until you're stuffed. And that's hard to do because oh, it it's is. easy for eating to become recreational, yes, right? right? Especially under the stress, you're around your family. So here's Barbecue what, is mm. recreational. Rib, pork ribs in a barbecue joint, it becomes recreational eating after about the third rib. Here's the advice. Try to wait 10 minutes before you have a second helping. Yep. That'll give your body time to settle. You can actually determine if you're really still hungry or you're doing it recreationally. Yep. In fact, research does show that if at a holiday table or any table, you put food on your plate, so to put whatever you want on there, the sweet potato casserole, the turkey, the latkes, the you know sliced chicken, whatever you got going on at your holiday table, put that on your plate and research shows that if you will sit back for, in fact, 30 seconds or 60 seconds, but 30 seconds will do it, if you sit back from your plate and you look at it and you look around the room and you talk to someone and then you start eating, you will eat more slowly and you will overall eat less because when the plate hits you, if you dive into it, you kind of develop this response of I've got to devour this. It's mm -hmm. kind of a carnivore or mm -hmm. survival response. Or just rude because some people dive in and start eating before everyone else well, at the table yeah, that, sits okay. down. I'm, so not that's speaking, an... I'm not speaking of rudeness. I'm talking about what research shows that yeah. if you just sit back, like get your full plate of food, mm -hmm. put it down in front of you, then sit back and turn to the person next to you and talk for just a minute. A minute will do it. Mm -hmm. And you will discover that that food is suddenly not necessarily the most important thing that's happening around you. Right. And slowing down will help keep your portions in check, and it helps you know when to stop eating. Right. Which brings us to our third point, which is wait until all the food is on the table before you make your selection. Here's the thing. If you, you know, dive into the dressing when it goes into the table and you haven't yet seen, I don't know, the green beans and the broccoli, cheese casserole, mm -hmm. I don't know what else is coming, whatever you've got going on at your house, and you haven't seen the rest of it coming, you you're going to absolutely overwhelm yourself. So wait. And you don't have to eat everything on the table. See, that's the other thing. Just because six dishes are put down on the table doesn't mean you have to eat them. You should look at everything that's put down. And the same thing at a buffet. Yep. If you go up to a buffet or yep. self-serve on a counter, don't start grabbing food from the beginning of the buffet. Walk down the whole thing and see yeah. what there is. Then go back and take food and only take the food you know you think you will really I enjoy. We, we have good friends who make, he's a spectacular cook and she makes a beautiful table and we love going to their house for dinner. And he always puts the food out in the kitchen. Well, mostly. Sometimes they plate it. But mostly he puts the food out in mm -hmm. the kitchen that he's made. And he's a very careful and very good cook. And I always like that because then I can see everything that I'm to put on my plate. And I can kind of make my choices. And maybe tonight it's not. I'm not saying knocking anything he's made. But I'm just saying maybe I don't want the vinegary potato salad. I would rather have the broccoli and almonds and that yeah. kind of thing. And so I can actually look at what's there and adjudicate what do I want. And it's not about limiting myself. It's figuring out what I want. Out yeah, of what's here. and it helps you take just the food you'll really enjoy. And that's part of it, too. Because you'll, if you feel obligated to put everything on your plate, then you feel obligated to eat everything. And eating should never, ever be an obligation. It should be an absolute pleasure. Okay, so what's our fourth tip? The fourth tip is remember that the holidays are not just about food. Oh, my God. I want to say this, and I want to say it really loud so you hear me. <laughs> 
If by you, he means me. Well, no, no. By you, I mean anybody listening to this podcast. I want you to listen to this. If you're worried about how the roast beef is going to turn out, or if you're worried about how your potato casserole is going to turn out, or how your cake is going to turn out, and you're so worried about it that you have to practice, you're doing it wrong. Let yeah. me just tell you right up front. You are doing it wrong. This is a holiday about your great aunt or your mother or your father or your nieces and nephews or your children or your grandchildren sit back and listen to your grandmother's story okay so your great aunt was miss nuclear blast of 1957 in new mexico at the you know white sands monument listen to that story i don't care if you've heard it five hundred times there will come a time when you can't hear it anymore listen you're doing it wrong pay attention to her she is more important than the turkey your grandmother is more important than the cranberry sauce your kids are more important than the sweet potatoes that's right always keep that mind and finally don't forget self-care during these Mm -hmm. holidays do the things you like to enjoy for example I like to take walks, and I often forget to pack my sneakers, and so I end up with just a pair of dress shoes, and it's not really comfortable walking in dress shoes. I love taking walks, and one of the ways that I can take care of myself is make sure that I have a pair of sneakers in my luggage so I can go take a walk somewhere. And self-care even includes taking yourself out of the crowd for 20 minutes, going to whatever room you're staying in, having some private time, reading a book, taking a nap, taking a bath. It's not all about the family all the time. Let me tell you, as an introvert, because I'm a super big introvert, let me tell you that a bath is a fine thing. And the reason a bath is a fine thing during the holidays to take, you know, you're at someone's house, you're at, I don't know, your in-law's house or somebody's house, and it's the middle of the afternoon. The thing about a bath is you can't be interrupted, really. I mean, maybe your spouse can come in, but mostly you can't be interrupted. All right, lock the door. Well, no, I never do that. But, okay, so, you know, I mean, a bath kind of allows you to force a moment of just quiet on yourself Mm -hmm. and it's really nice you've absent yourself nothing's going to happen without you that is all that important trust me (laughs) so i mean if something's really important like oh my god the kids are going to do the big hanukkah pageant or i don't know the kids are going to do the big christmas pageant okay you know what hanukkah they will wait wait, i'm I'm not i'm trying to imagine what a hanukkah pageant oh my god well you need to go out on youtube and watch it there's a whole thing with the maccabees and doing the whole hanukkah pageant and the Maccabee sword fights and there's a whole thing that goes on with Hanukkah pageants okay. in people's houses. It's a thing. Cool. It's very cute. You know, the kids put on their bathrobes and do sword fights and all that kind of stuff and somebody maybe has to play Antiochus and uh, it's a whole Antiochus. Thing. Uh, it's a whole thing. Oh, well, let, let allow me to educate you about your religion. So, uh, and when does Father Hanukkah show up? N- Father Hanukkah never shows <laughs> up, but you can do the bearing whole, latkes yeah, and dreidels. Yeah, but you can do the whole pageant with the candles. It's very sweet. Come on, don't make fun of it. So they're not going to do that without you. And if you're taking a bath. You know what? It allows you to have some self-care, some self-time. I, I'll tell you another very thing that I do. And this is really absurd. 
but I have this this facial cream. I know this is just insane, but I have this facial cream that I really like, and I always pack it, and I always put it on every morning at family holidays because I like it and because it makes my skin feel nice, and I pack it as just a little bit of self-care that Important. I take with me to my family and Bruce's family's house. Very, very important. Before we get to the next segment of this podcast, let me say that it would be great if you could subscribe to this podcast, if you could rate it, if you could drop a comment, that would be great. Even just nice podcast that would do wonders for us. Thank you for taking the time nice to podcast. do that. Please don't wreck your car to do that. Please do that when you're at home. But thanks Siri, for doing leave that. a message. Yeah. I don't think you can do that on podcast, maybe. But just if you drop to the bottom of the Audible menu or the Apple menu, you can't on Spotify, you can't on Google, Google Podcasts. But if you drop to the bottom of the Apple is or the Audible podcast page, you'll see Rate the Podcast and write a review. That would be spectacular. We so appreciate that. Up next, our one-minute cooking tip. When you take a hot pot out of the oven, make sure you leave a pot holder or an oven mitt on the handle or sitting on top so no one else goes in the kitchen and accidentally touches it and burns themselves. Yeah, I, this is a kicker, really, seriously. Because someone comes so in, they want to see what important. you're making, they go to lift. at the holidays. Yeah, they come to lift a lid. They don't know that that just came out of the oven, and mm-hmm. they burn themselves. Mm-hmm. So you leave a oven mitt or a pot holder on top of that pot, and then they know and to use that. let's say, just to be clear, we're talking about a pot that is now on a wire rack or a trivet, not on the stove, because a burner can be turned on and the kitchen towel can be set on fire. So we are not talking or advocating for any kind of kitchen towels on the stove itself. you got to make sure it's off the stove, but a kitchen towel is a great reminder on a pot that this is hot. Up next, Bruce's interview with Catherine Zhang, author of Mochi Cakes and Bakes. Talk about a holiday treat. Mm, it is. Oh my gosh, mochi for the holidays? That sounds like heaven. Today, I am so excited to be talking with Catherine Zhang. She is the winner of the second season of the Netflix baking competition show, Zumbo's Just Dessert. She is an Australian pastry chef of Chinese heritage, and Catherine focuses on Asian-inspired sweets, and she's the author of an upcoming book, Mochi Cakes and Bakes, Simple Yet Exquisite Desserts with Ube, Yuzu, Matcha, and more. The book is out early December in time for holiday gift giving. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. So you are quite young to have accomplished so much in the baking world. Tell me about your journey so far. Yeah, of course. Um, So I've always loved cooking and baking since I remember. Um, I was always baking for friends and family, but I didn't really take it seriously until the show. I wanted to go to pastry school, but my parents didn't really want me to and wanted me to get like a degree at university. But it was actually during uni when I had the opportunity to be on the show and my mom actually encouraged me to go on it and then I ended up winning and it was kind of the biggest turning point in my life where I was like yes I want to pursue pastry so from there I worked in a restaurant briefly I didn't really like the restaurant culture and it felt very suffocating like creativity wise as well so I ended up taking a job as a recipe developer for a meal kit company I really loved it it was good food styling and like recipe development 
but all at the same time I was at the restaurant and um also at the meal kit company I was doing my own thing on the side so I had social media I had my food blog and that started really taking off while I was doing all of that and I found there was so much potential in it I love sharing my recipes with everybody and I think that really tapped into that creative side so yeah from there I quit my job and now I've been doing full-time content creation and food blogging for a couple of months now. Mochi seems to have taken the world by storm in the past few years. Can you talk a little bit about what mochi is and what it takes to make great mochi at home? So I'm surprised how much it's taken off actually over the past couple of years. So basically mochi is um, pounded glutinous rice. Um, It's usually sweet, filled with something. Um, It has many origins, Japan, China. I also have some in South Korea. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of different places that make it. Um, And pretty much the easiest way to make it at home is by using glutinous rice flour. So traditionally it's beat with a mallet, but like we can't do that at home. It takes too much time. It's difficult. So all you need is glutinous rice flour, some sort of liquid. It could be milk or water. And then you add sugar, mix it all together. And I like to do it in the microwave, just two minutes and it's done. It's so easy. A tip for getting really good mochi at home is like to add some vegetable oil and give a really good knead. And that kind of makes it nice and stretchy and chewy. And the mochi base recipe in your book is followed by nine recipes that Take mochi to new heights. You've got mochi ice cream, mochi donuts. Tell me about the espresso brown butter mochi brownies. I love that recipe. So there's so many different ways to play around with glutinous rice flour. And this one takes inspiration from a Hawaiian treat called butter mochi, which is pretty much um, rice flour, coconut milk, sugar, butter, and that's all baked up in a slab. So in this one, I've taken out the coconut milk, replaced it with regular milk, some cocoa powder, espresso powder, and it just makes a really fudgy, chocolatey, delicious brownie that's also kind of chewy, and it has like a really nice crackly crust. That chewiness is what makes everything so spectacular when it's made with mochi. Um, You have two chapters on cakes in your book, light and fluffy cakes, as well as cheesy cakes and other bakes. And Both chapters include a cake made with ube, the Asian purple yam. Can you talk about both of those recipes, the rolled cake and the ube cheesecake? And why does that ingredient work so well in so many different styles of desserts? So ube just keeps getting more and more love. Pretty much it's a Filipino a uh, sweet potato or like a purple yam and it's slightly sweet but also nutty with like a vanilla note so that's why it works so well in desserts and it's really versatile in flavor also the color is so pretty so everybody wants to use it pretty much there's a couple of ways you can use it you can use it as like a jam um so that's called ube halaya which is cooked um together with like condensed milk coconut milk and it's a little bit milky and sweet And that really works well in the cheesecake because it's like it adds to that creaminess of it. And then we've got an ube extract, which is like a super concentrated form of it. And then you can add it to your sponge cakes, keep it really light and fluffy, but still have that sweet kind of vanilla flavor. um, And it works so well. In your cookie chapter, you have a chocolate chunk cookie recipe with an ingredient think most American cooks would never think to put in their cookies. Tell me about this recipe and tell me why you think these are the ultimate chocolate chunk cookie. Well, I feel like there's so many chocolate chip cookie recipes out there. Like you got to do something a little bit different. And like with miso, it's it's up and coming in like the 
in like a lot of desserts where they use like a sweet and salty combination, but it's more of like a like a sweet and umami combination. Um, so like that umami just adds another layer to the chocolate chip cookies and that saltiness of the miso also offsets the sweetness. Um, so it's a really good combination. You definitely have to try it. Can you use any sort of miso or does it really you need a specific kind of miso for this cookie? You can use any kind of miso, but I find that some of the other misos like red miso have a bit too much funk. Um, so I recommend using a white miso. I have to say that I've shied away from making Hong Kong egg tarts because that Chinese puff pastry is so complicated and you have to make the two kinds of dough and mix them together. You have an alternative Hong Kong egg tart in your book. Tell me about it. I completely understand the struggles with making the puff pastry. It is so difficult. And because they use lard, it's like softer as well. So it's really like fiddly. The recipe that I have is a cookie crust egg, um, egg tart. So there are two kinds of egg tarts. There's a puff pastry and a cookie crust. And this one, I make it with like a powdered sugar, butter, some egg yolk. And this results in like a really rich shortbread-like cookie crust. Um, and that combined with the custard is delicious. It's easier. It takes like a quarter of the time and yeah, equally as delicious. And is that cookie crust uh, common throughout uh, in Hong Kong and in Cantonese food or is that an Australian sort of thing? I mean, where what's the basis of that cookie crust in the egg tart? So in Hong Kong, you can usually find two kinds of egg tarts. There's the like the traditional like puff pastry, and there's also a cookie crust egg tart as well. Um, I think the puff pastry gets a lot more love because it's got that flakiness, but like the cookie crust is still there. And honestly, it's equally as good. Catherine, can you talk about the differences between Asian style breads and Western breads and the technique that you use in your book to create the fluffy light Asian style breads? When you think of Western style breads, you think of like crusty loaves, um, a little bit tangy, uh, chewy, um, very different because Asian style breads, they like them to be fluffy, light, the better, the lighter, the better really. And so they use a lot of milk, a lot of sugar, a bit, it's a bit sweet. It's similar to brioche, but with less butter. So the technique that I use to make the Asian style breads in my book, I use the tongue zone technique, which is quite popular. Um, it's also known as yudane. Pretty much you pre-cook the flour with some water and it helps the starch in the bread to retain moisture for longer periods of time. And that basically gives it that really nice fluffy texture that lasts for days. If you nail that technique and you nail the bread recipe, you can make anything you want. So I've got like cinnamon rolls, red bean buns, custard buns. There's so many opportunities. That's the thing I really like about your book is you give people the opportunity to learn a technique, a base recipe, and then you can create so many fantastic desserts once you know that. The book is Mochi Cakes and Bakes. Simple Yet Exquisite Desserts with Ube, Yuzu, Matcha, and more. It's out in the U.S. December 6th in time for holiday gift giving. Catherine Zhang, thank you so much for spending a few minutes and talking about the fabulous recipes in your book. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. We have had a great many Australian authors on this <laughs> podcast. Have, it's very have. funny. There are a lot of good Australian chefs. Yeah, it's really funny, and we don't actually have that many Australian downloads. When I look at the analytics, we're not all that popular in Australia. But their books are popular here, and that's yes, important. I think that's part of it. It's really wild. Um, again, we don't have that big an Australian download cash, <laughs> and yet we seem to get a lot of Australian authors coming through our podcast, which is really nice. It makes me so badly I want to go to Australia. I've never been. Hey, Australian travel board. <laughs> <laughs> Business class or better. I, 
yeah, right, right. Travel business class are better. Hey, I'd love to come to Australia and check out the food scene. So our final episode, as is traditional, what's making us happy in food this weekend? I'm going to start. Ooh, ooh. This is the holidays. I am all about spritz cookies. Yeah. Uh, I love spritz cookies. If you don't know about spritz cookies, I feel sorry for you. My mom <laughs> and I used to make spritz cookies when I was a kid. Spritz cookies are made in a cookie press. They're those cookies that you put in the tube and you put the little... Like a uh, caulking gun. Yeah, and you put the little shape on the end of it that you want the cookie to be pressed down in. You can make Christmas trees and wreaths, and then they're butter cookies. And then you sprinkle them with colored sugar, mm. and you bake them, and... It's a great memory from my childhood. My mom would make the batter while I was at school so that it would be cold in the refrigerator. Cold batter works best for these because the cookies spread because there's so much butter. So she'd make the batter in advance, the dough in advance, and then I would come home from school, we'd get it out of the fridge, and we'd press out a million spritz cookies in a cookie press. We even have a cookie press, a spritz cookie press, because I love them so much. And my mom still has her original spritz cookie wow. press. It's kind of crazy. We should make some other when we see her in December. I love spritz cookies. That'd be fun. I'm into cranberries. It is that time of year when cranberries mm. are in the supermarket, mm-hmm. and Mark is obsessed with them. He I always am. says to me, make sure there's always cranberries in the freezer. So it's like every time we go to the supermarket together, he's mm-hmm. like, get cranberries, get cranberries. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've I, already got six bags in the freezer. Well, but- they, they, they run out. I mean, there does come this point in July and August when there are no cranberries. And you're craving a cranberry orange quick bread where you want cranberry sauce to go with some turkey burgers. Mm. So keep mm, cranberries mm, mm. in your refrigerator. Keep them in the freezer. They are a beautiful They freeze thing. beautifully. You they can do. throw the whole bag in the freezer and yeah. you can have cranberries all year long. Yeah. I am obsessed. If you come to the supermarket, I will throw cranberries in your cart. <laughs> it doesn't right matter how many I have in the house. No, I don't care. He will throw them in the cart every time we go. Because you're going to run out. And it, <laughs> Once we ran out and it traumatized me, so <laughs> I'm never going to do that again. Okay, that's our podcast. It includes all our holiday eating and cooking tips, mostly, I guess, our eating tips, great interviews, mochi cakes. I mean, come on. That would be something to make for the holidays. Oh, yeah. What's making us happy in food this week? We love all that. Please join us in our Facebook group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We would love to see you there because we love it that you're on the journey with us. And we look forward to being with you again on another future episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark.